Welcome to the Thriving Solopreneur Show, where you learn the stories and systems that have turned hardworking, self-employed business owners like yourself into highly successful, leisurely entrepreneurs. This show is dedicated to those who went into business for themselves because they had an idea or suggestion that ignited their passions to do more, to do it better, and to solve a problem in our community. Whether your business started in a basement, a garage, or at a kitchen table, this episode will bring to you a system, a tip, or an entrepreneur that has been where you are and can guide you to living the fulfilling life you desire for yourself. Here's your host and serial solopreneur, Janine Bolin. Hi, welcome to the Thriving Solopreneur Show. This is Janine Bolin. It's wonderful to be sitting with you again on a Friday. Just wanted to let you know things are changing here at the Thriving Solopreneur. We've been picked up by a radio station, and so we are going to be broadcasting then on Sundays. But that's okay. Don't worry. We'll continue to upload our sessions every Friday. But Stay tuned for those recordings that are coming live to you. Now, the other wonderful thing that we have going on today is a wonderful lady by the name of Joanna Brandy, and she comes to us with an incredible book called The 54 Ways to Stay Positive in a Changing challenging and sometimes negative world. Can you imagine? I can't imagine a better and more appropriate person to have on with us. She's been in business since 1990 and she's been helping companies with customer care and how to keep people happy and engaged and productive, not only as employees, but also the customer service organizations that she worked with. So just wanted to share with you that she has a lot to offer us. She now has two books on customer loyalty and I just, I'm going to let her talk talk a little bit more. Welcome so much to the show, Joanna. Thank you. It's always fun. I I have a great time with you. So we were talking a little bit before the show because I I always like to ask my guests permission because especially when we're going to get real and raw like we are in this episode, I haven't gone into depth like this before. And that is because I trust Joanna and she is authentic. She is real. She's going to tell you the truth like it is. And she and I have agreed that we're going to talk to you about the financial impact of what happens when it comes to starting your own business and what we have learned in our 60 plus years we decided we add it all together so you can't guess our ages but we've been in business to our on our own quite a long time and we've all both been through a lot so we're going to talk a little bit about start with at the very beginning with us what got you interested in running your own business joanna and then we'll move into the real and raw stage okay i was an entrepreneur Uh, at a large company. I ran a division of a large company, which was really wonderful because I had my own staff. I had had to submit a business plan every year. I had to submit a marketing plan. Once everything was approved, they kind of left me alone. So I I, I was really thriving in that environment. However, I'm starting to get bored. The business was changing as the sons of the owners started coming in and working. And um, quite unexpectedly, I had a new boss. They wanted to make, uh, I think it was the older son, my boss. He and I had always had a kind of a, you know, rough relationship because his mom really liked me. (laughs) You know, it became kind of like sibling rivalry, I guess. I don't know. Uh, But it became very difficult for me to operate in that environment. The company was growing really quickly and was doing some things that I didn't 
I did, didn't want to be connected with. So I had been very quietly socking away money. Now, remember, this was 1990, but I'd been socking away a little bank account where I put a little money away and I called it my FU money. And I might deliberately thinking that if there was ever a time when I was simply ready to say F you, that I would use that money. And I did. I didn't say F you. <laughs> you just walked away. You didn't necessarily I, use I didn't the. Quite, I didn't quite. I never quit my job. I never quit my job. I, uh, the day that I was planning, I had a meeting with the whole executive team and I, I asked them to, uh, I proposed a change of my relationship with the company. <laughs> I never quit my job. And the morning of that, I had somebody had given me as a gift a um, a five thousand foot airplane glider ride. I I invited the director of HR, who was a friend of mine, to go five thousand feet in the air that morning uh, with me. And of course, I told her, I said, "I'm going to be doing something this afternoon that's going to change things." <laughs> it was so much fun. Uh, but the, the sons didn't respond as well as the parents would have to the proposal. So all of a sudden I was on my own uh, and I had plenty of time. You know, I trained my staff. I believed in succession planning. So I'd been I'd literally been planning that for years. The problem was that I didn't really know what I wanted to do. I thought I knew what I wanted to do. And that's one thing I, I think that's so important is that you really know why you're why you're jumping ship, not, oh, gosh, I, you know, I don't like doing that anymore. So I'll go do this. I did not have a clear picture. I thought I would be a consultant. I thought that all of the people that I knew when I had that huge advertising budget would be my friends forever. It was a really hard uh, learning that when your corporate budget is gone, many of your friends magically disappear. It is. That was one of the hardest learnings there, you know, and and I I had some convoluted idea of what I wanted to do, but I wasn't really sure. So that was the hardest part. I was very similar to you. Like you said, the 1990s were big times, lots of changes. I mean, not at the epic or global levels that we've seen this past couple of years, but definitely was a time of change in the corporate world. And I remember I dropped out uh, at 1996 because I was phased out of my job because I became pregnant. And, you know, for whatever reason, the pharmaceutical companies really didn't want a pregnant scientist working with radioactivity and vir- viruses, you know, because that was my my forte. So, yeah, we were making uh, legal drugs for a living. And so I remember that I had to drop out because of becoming pregnant, which was a shock because after 10 years of marriage, you don't expect that. And so that caused me to have to really look at my business. So let's move into how long did it take you and your business to show a profit? And I did promise you that I would, I would go first on this one. So with the eight gates, I was in business for five years before my business went from red to in the black. And it took time for me to build. And I was building online courses. This is back in, uh, I started this in 2014, took me till 2019. And then 2020 happened and I happened to be perfectly positioned. My business tripled. I brought on extra people. But let me tell you something, uh, up, up until then, it was like, how do, we, how do you use Zoom? 
right? I was having to teach my students like the first four or five lessons were just how to use Zoom and how to connect with me as an online uh, professor, that sort of thing. So talk to us about what you decided. Like you were like, okay, I'm done. I'm going to move forward now, be on my own. Talk to us a little bit about how long it took you before you got to show a profit. Oh, it was years. It was years. I got lucky somewhere along the line because I got a couple of good clients and they were able to pretty much fund it for a while, but it wasn't consistent. It was at least two years because what I, what I remember um, is that the man that owns the business I had been working for would call me once a month and he would say to me, tell me what you do. And I would, my mouth would get jumbled up and I would, my company was called Integrated Marketing Systems then. I said, well, I, I am helping people integrate. <laughs> I thought that was an action word. Uh, I'm helping them integrate their space advertising with their direct mail, with their telemarketing and with their people. And he go, no, I don't think so. Go back to the drawing board and say it again. And he would call me. I didn't even know he liked me that much. Uh, he would call me once a month. And he would say the same thing. Tell me what you do. And it took me this part of it, 22 months before he finally said to me, okay, now I understand you. But it took that long. What I had in mind was I had been in the marketing business and I observed that my clients spent a ton of money, a ton of money getting a new client. But what I noticed is they did nothing after that. So there's actually an after marketing process. After you do all that marketing, please tell this back then they had switchboards. Please tell the switchboard operator you're running a special. You know, please let your staff know there's going to be all these new phone calls. So eventually I realized that the key to what I'd been doing um, was customer care. And when I left the company, one of the things I did do Uh, was call people. I called my clients and I said, you know, I'm about to leave this nest of, you know, I'm about to leave this company. What do I do well? And it was interesting because they said to me, you take care of your customers better than anybody else in the industry. Why don't you figure out how to do something with that? And all of a sudden, you know, now as a as a happiness coach, I can tell you that, oh, that's your strength. (laughs) Eventually, eventually, I started writing about it. I started talking about it. And eventually, of course, somebody said, can you do a training? I'd never written a training program in my life. But I was well studied. And I went back to remember, what did I teach people? How did I teach? I had 15 or 16 people in my department. How did I teach them? What did I say to them? So eventually, I was able to create training. And then for the most part, became a training uh, back at that time, research. We did a lot of customer research. So we did research, training, speaking, you know, in that line and consulting. So right. It took time. Making though. Money, before making money was at least, at, at least three years. Right. And that's what I tell most people. When you're starting a business, make sure that you don't quit your day job. Unless it's like you or I, where we were, like in my case, I was literally kind of booted out. They they put me in quality assurance, which is highly detail-oriented work and totally removed me from the laboratory. And I was put in a cubicle with a whole bunch of other people. And so, of course, all that training, all those years and years and years of training in the laboratory, safety protocols, all that, down the wayside, and I was learning how to be this other thing. And so, of course, I quit my job that that was the goal right get her to quit and I did I did that yeah and said okay I'm gonna be a stay-at-home mom now so that's the thing I like to share with people if you can don't quit your day job 
build it up on the side. And when you start learning the procedures, like that way, if it takes you 22 months to tell somebody what you're doing, right, it takes time. And I've heard this from every business owner. You're not, no offense, Joanna, you're not unique in this. It took us time to figure out, okay, what is my 15-second elevator speech? Or what is my six-second byline that I'm going to hook somebody with. I, you've done all this marketing. You know what I'm talking about. So so this is one of my, my favorite uh, things that I love asking solopreneurs and entrepreneurs, and that is when you have those moments, what was it that made you decide to stick with your business? Like we all have, every entrepreneur I've ever talked to has those dark nights of the soul. They don't know where their next paycheck is coming from because we don't have consistency like you do when you're with corporate. You sitting there looking at your checking accounts going, I told myself that when my savings got to X number, I would start looking for additional other employment. Well, I've gone past that number. I don't know how many times in my own head. I'm like, I am not working outside my house. You know, I'm like, I am working in my house. This is before 2020 people. Okay. This is things, decisions Joanna and I had to make long before that. So talk to us about your dark night of the soul and when do you when did you like put the put your fist down and go no i'm doing this do you remember that <laughs> which dark night of the soul uh, yes ex- exactly there's several so go ahead talk to us about well, your favorite I, I'll tell you, there's a couple of things that i do and and i go there, i've been there several times and i was there 2 years ago uh the first thing I do is visualize what it would be like working for somebody else. That's the very first thing I do is I imagine what the alternative is. And once in a while, I'm capable of seeing myself as part of a kick-ass team. And because I love to be part of a team uh, and part of a team and, you know, with an unlimited ad budget and access to the best people out there, which is what I used to have instead of practically begging them. Uh, you know, it, it was, I would imagine all that. I would imagine all that stuff. But then the other thing is I would, I would just sit very quietly. And then I would every single time, even now, I would get up and I would put a, I, I guess back then it was a VCR tape. Uh, and I would watch Field of Dreams. And every time my daughter would come home from school and see Field of Dreams playing, she'd go, having problem with the business, mom? <laughs> It's sit true. Down, sit down, sit down with me and watch Field of Dreams one more time. <laughs> you know, and we all know that's not true, but I needed it to be true. I needed it to be true. And there was one other book that came out very frequently because I kept it under my bed. It was called Do What You Love and the Money Will Follow. So I had those sort of, I'll call them spiritual anchors that I would go to when I got to that dark night of the soul and 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 begin to imagine. Now even at this stage of my life, I'm sure there's a perfect job out there for me, but I, my, my imagination will only take me so far into the visualization before it pulls me back to, isn't it nicer to be your own boss? I think that's what it comes down to. You and I don't have rose colored glasses on when we know what our business would be like if we worked for somebody else. We know where we have come from and we know where we're going. And so I always like to encourage entrepreneurs, look, you know where you want to go. So the point is just keep figuring it out. You never are in a place where you stop learning. Well, that's key for me. I have a very active brain. And if I am not engaged in learning a new piece of software or something, I will atrophy, I will die. I will like, oh my gosh, just 
put me in Walmart as a greeter because I'm done, right? You know, it's like, and by the way, I'm very nice to Walmart greeters because I know what it takes to stand there. But I just want to say that, that that's where I go. So yes, make sure you have your inspirational videos. Yours is uh, Field of Dreams. Mine happens to be the fifth element. Everybody has their, their thing. When the kids would see me watching the fifth element, they're like, bad day at the office, mom. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh! Write you know, that down because I don't know the Fifth Element. Oh, it's a it's a sci-fi, uh, you know, um, shoot 'em up kind of one. It's got Bruce Willis in it, so you know, there you go. We're really dating ourselves here, but it was kind of a cult classic. Had Gary Oldman before he became Sirius Black and the Harry Potter series and stuff like that. So anyway, it, it, we're kind of dating ourselves, but at the same time, this is what it took for us to be able to be um, where we are today. So with that. When you really took that 22 months to figure it out what you do, when you now move into the business community, how can the business community support you now that you know how to present yourself? See, there was a huge shift for me. I don't know about you, but there was a huge shift with the eight mm-hmm. gates when I, when I nailed my six-second byline and my 15 second elevator speech when I could nail that every time it was amazing how my income corresponded to that so I wanted to know what happened with you that's beautiful I'm still working on mine I'm still working on mine because what I've done has changed um I have um a a low threshold for boredom so um (laughs) um I I thrive on new clients with new challenges Uh, There are periods of time when I just don't want to do that anymore. You know, you could, it's a feeling inside. I don't even know how to explain it. It's, it's, it's something that rises in my chest and wants to grab my throat and say, no, we're done with that. So I've reinvented myself a number of times. And about 18 years ago, um, somebody sent me an email and said, you probably want to be on this, it was called a teleclass back then, a teleclass tomorrow night. And he explained a little bit of it, but not much. But I knew that the teacher was Dr. Martin Seligman. And I had read Marty's book called Learned Optimism. And it was one of those life-changing books for me. So I wasn't doing anything that Thursday night. And so I watched, uh, I listened, there was no watching. I listened to Marty. Uh, and I knew that night I was a goner because sitting here in this very spot, there was um, it was like a bolt of lightning came down from the heavens into my head all the way grounding all the way down the two stories until you get to the ground. And I just sat there and said, oh, my God, I can't do this. I'm too damn busy to do this. It's going to throw me off track to do this. But once I checked in with myself Um, I enrolled in the six month program and became what he then called authentic happiness coach. Because by that time, I'd been in and out of lots and lots of businesses. And I knew that the problem was what we used to call morale. If the customers aren't being treated well, there's something going on in that company that keeps the people, either they've hired the wrong people, or there's something that's going on in that company that's keeping the people from taking good care of these customers. And most of the time, it was that they weren't appreciated. And so I kept hearing this thing over and over again, where people would say to me, how come they never notice when I do something right, but when I do something wrong, they're all over me. And for some reason that resonated and I knew that perhaps the, the, 
the uh, way to deal with that is by fostering happiness inside the company. But, you know, 18 years ago, it was a bold move. And to this day, people are still telling me to drop the word happiness because it's too soft a concept. And, you know, the more they say it, the more I dig my heels in. And that is the other thing, listening to yourself, right? Dig, digging in. Uh, I was told there's no way you're going to ever be able to make money. What you're talking about doing, Janine, it's just not possible. And, of course, the harder somebody said that, I, I'm Taurus. The, the more I dig my teeth. <laughs> well, you are. I'm a character, so, uh, you know. <laughs> It comes and goes. One day I'm fierce and I got my claws out, and the other day I'm I'm mushy and crawling around, going sideways. So. But but it, it's true. The more somebody tells you you can't do something, uh, specifically with our generation, the more we dug in. But there is something that happens internally, just like you said, that lightning bolt, or however an entrepreneur talks to me. I always know this is a part of their spiritual journey or their life experience. I, however you want to frame that. Um, but when they start talking in terms like that, I'm like, you have to stick with this. And and they're like, why are you telling me this? I want to throw in the towel, Janine. I, I came to you to show you how much in debt I am and how the, and I'm like, but I believe in you because you had that spark. You had that inspiration. There's the universe in whatever way is trying to get you to manifest this because nobody on planet's going to be able to do it for you, Frodo Baggins from the Shire. You know, you feel like a lot of times I feel like people come to me that are Frodo of the Shire and they're trying to carry the ring to Mordor. And, and, I, and I'm like, it, it is a journey. There's great times. There's wonderful times. But right as we're about ready to become the success that we had designed for ourselves is when the, the trip is hardest. So talk to us a little bit about that beautiful um, book that you've written about the 54 ways to stay happy in a challenging world, because I know that sometimes you're really challenged and the last word you want to hear is happy. But you have these wonderful tips throughout your book on when you're in those moments, don't try to be happy, just just move into contentment. Right. Just try to get to contentment instead of trying to go all the way to happy. So talk to us a little bit about that. Well, that's as you might remember, it's an interesting story because I wrote that book before I became a happiness coach. I was doing a seminar up in New Jersey uh, on customer care, and I was talking a lot about attitude. And, you know, sometimes you're having a negative day, but that's too bad. That customer deserves you to pick up that phone with a smile in your voice, et cetera, et cetera. So somebody in the audience raised her hand and said, Joanna, how do you, how do you keep positive when you're having a negative day? And or she's actually said in a negative world. And I Whatever came out of my mouth, I don't even remember. I do remember answering her. Uh, and then I, a spark, it, it was a spark, Janine. A little spark came out and I said, you know what? I was with that client for like three years. Uh, so I was part of an audio series that we did every month. So I said, next month in the audio series, I'm going to give you 13 ways to stay positive in a negative world. And so that kept happening. So I did 13 more, I did 13 more, then I ran out of it. I read, talked to my friends and, and, you know, so all my friends, everybody I know is, is, is represented in that book, which is really interesting because I would just randomly say to somebody, what do you do? And then I carried the manuscript for four years in my briefcase because I couldn't find the right illustrator um, because I knew it had to be an illustrated book. And then finally I found her 
uh, Joanne Goldsmith. I sat down right next to her at a direct marketing meeting here in Florida. And that was it. She took those, she took that manuscript home and she began meditating the pictures. And we just republished that book. I guess it's two, what the book you have is the newer version. And we just republished it about two years ago. We updated all the technology. There's no, no pictures of me holding a Walkman anymore. There's, you know, we updated that technology. We updated the pictures. And I'm so glad I did because uh, she passed away last year, uh, last summer. And um, it was so heartbreaking to find that out because there'll be no more of that. You know, she was, they were, they were inspired pictures because she, she meditated every one of them. So that book just came back out again, just in time for basically right before COVID. So it was interesting because it's, it's helping to uplift people and it's very simple and it looks like a coloring book, you know, because you got it because it's all these line drawings and people, people keep saying you should package that with markers because that's one of those good books. Um, it, it, it's nice having that kind of a book that's not connected to business because what I do is, is in the business world because I want to be in the business world because as lovely as that company was that I worked for, I had an ulcer. I walked around with a cervical collar. I mean, I was under so much stress and it was a good company to work for. It's just at a certain level of management. Uh, there were a lot of unreal expectations. And, and so um, I wanted to, I want to make sure that I, the message of happiness in business gets there, but that doesn't keep me from doing planting the seeds of happiness. I've got a program coming up with a temple in Atlanta uh, I, I do work with a yoga teacher. We, we, teach, uh, we teach happiness to our yoga students So because there is a yoga of happiness. So it, it, I've got a lot of breath, but I have to be careful because I have to stay focused on the core part of my business, which is creating happier cultures. And that's where it really comes down to, isn't it? When it comes to your business, there's that one thing that you do and you do it very well. And as long as you keep turning the crank on that particular aspect of your busy business that you know is profitable, you know that your costs are going to stay in alignment with a certain level, you really crank that one thing. And then that, that boredom factor, you create systems and then you hire that out. You hire that out to someone else to run it so that you can then go do the next thing, which as entrepreneurs, we are highly creative people. We do not like to sit around and do the same thing every day. So I, that's what I encourage is uh, after your bookkeeper, your CPA and your attorney, you know, the very next person you hire is an executive assistant that you can train to run that crank, right? To hire out that crank. Yeah. So anyhow, uh, if people, how did we get in touch with you, Joanna? How does somebody get in touch with you? Um, Joanna at returnonhappiness.com is the simplest way. I'm on LinkedIn. I have a business Facebook page at Return on Happiness. I'm on uh, Instagram with just my name, Joanna Brandy. Um, uh, but email is just fine. Joanna at returnonhappiness.com is a great way to get in touch with me. Okay. And so I hope you found this information as useful as I did. I always love getting onto this show with my guests because they've been in business for so many years. They tell it like it is. You're not going to have a lot of sugar coating on everything's going to just turn out just fine. Now, yes, it is going to turn out just fine, but you have to be a real you have to really put your feet down and stand firm and decide, okay, this is too important to let go. And if you have any wavering about that, really consider your next steps and you'll do just fine. So Joanna, thanks so much for being with us oh, today. Jane, it's always a pleasure. Always uh, a pleasure. 
And this is Janine Boland with the Thriving Solopreneur Show, and we broadcast every Friday. So come on by, take a look, see what we're doing. And just to let you know, I can't wait to announce how we have been syndicated. And then I can start shouting out the call letters to that particular radio station, but that's coming up soon. So keep your feet firmly planted on the ground, my dear, wonderful solopreneurs and entrepreneurs. But you keep reaching for those stars, and we'll see you next week. Thank you for listening to The Thriving Solopreneur Show. We hope you found this episode helpful and uplifting. Be sure to visit us at janinebolin.com forward slash podcast, where you'll find a library of videos, books, and podcast programs to guide you to the future you envision for yourself. We also ask that you visit our sponsor, the8gates.com, for the books and online courses that share with you the debt-free living lifestyle that allows business owners like yourself to flourish. Have a great day and see you next time.